Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hello, everyone. Um, we still haven't figured out our intro, but we... <laughs> We're I know, having, I started writing a draft sentence. Yeah, we were just having a, a big D&M and we thought we'd just start recording so this could be part of the episode this week. This happens every time we um, talk before we start recording because we'll just chat about what's going on and then have a really great conversation about something super interesting and then press recording and be like, what are we talking about this week? So what we were just talking about is, well, actually, Grace said that I look very young in the zoom call and i was showing her these incredible this is not sponsored i wish it was isle of paradise self tanning drops that i put on overnight that you literally mix with your moisturizer and mix it in and it makes you feel so nice when you wake up or you can put it on during the day and then we were talking about how like, this, is, this is not the very interesting conversation that we needed to put record on. <laughs> no, <laughs> but I want everyone to know because these are amazing. Yeah. Um, and then we were just talking about aging and how you were saying. I really feel like I don't know if it's just a temporary transitional thing. And I know it is ridiculous, but I just feel like I am about to turn 27. And I really feel like all of society's messaging is impacting me. And I really feel like I've passed my prime physically and I'm getting a lot of insecurity about it, but I don't even think I look that different. But what I see when I look in the mirror is just underwhelming. And I also just feel like I've lost that like spring in my step of going out and feeling desirable, which I didn't even love to begin with, but it's just a weird thing to get a handle on. Well, remember when we were talking the other day and we were talking about how I said to you, 
I don't know how this came up, but I said to you that when we, when I left the house, there was all these construction workers outside my house. And instead of that feeling of, oh God, they're all going to stare at me or, oh God, they're all going to um, catcall me or wolf whistle or something. I just didn't think twice. And then I got in my car and I was like, that's weird. I wonder why that is. And then I just realized, because I'm just old now. <laughs> but then that's gross, because they just, what, they just hit on teenagers. Yes, which will go into our conversation perfectly. But before we get to that, I think we were both just saying that we've hit this point in our lives. Where Izzy was talking about how when she used to, well, when she talked to her therapist a while back, she was like, I just don't see the point in things anymore. And I can kind of relate. But not in it. yeah. Not in a depressed way and more of a I literally way. was like, yeah, I was just like, okay, I don't know if I, I don't think I want to get married. I've never felt maternal. I've traveled the world. Obviously I do want to travel more, but I, but I was just like to her, I've been to Europe. I've been there, done it, been to Paris. It's all good. I've had a career. Um, I've been in love. I've had sex. What else is there to do? I'm just getting older. I'm just looking shitter. I'm having to like eat way healthier than I used to when I was younger. I'm too tired to go to parties. I don't want to go out anymore. That's the issue. I'm like, even if I go to Paris, I don't want to go and party and go to the clubs and exactly up with a hot guy. That's what I was saying. I want to go to bed. I was like, I was, I was shaking myself mentally and saying, Grace, you're still so young. You have so much life in you. You can do whatever you want. And then I was like, What do I want to do? You fell asleep. Nothing. All I want to do is sleep, watch stuff on my computer, uh, read, go for a little walk, and, like, make a schnitzel. Like, that's all I want to do on repeat for the rest of my life. Probably is all I'm going to do. But then you lose so much of my reason for existing up until recently was this mad panic to achieve things. And I feel like I've got my head around that that's kind of a – what's the word? Like a poison chalice, like it's like this thing that we've been told will make us happy and then we rushed down that path and we're like, oh, no, nah, that's not making us happy. So we're shifting on to something else. But it's once you realise that um, being crazy ambitious and just chase, chasing things doesn't make you happy. It's like when I was in my 20s, early 20s, I realised that falling in love wasn't going to just make me happy. I just always thought if I just found the perfect person, I would just hit this happiness bar and that was it forever. And then I realized that that was nonsense and that relationships require work and communication and it's an ongoing process. And then I thought career was going to be this thing that made me super happy. And then I kind of hit that thing and was like, oh, no, that's you don't just achieve something and then be happy forever. That's not how it works. And now I'm kind of like, OK, well, those two things won't make me forever happy. But then what? <laughs> <laughs> I know. And do you know what the funniest thing is that I was going to say to you before we started recording As I remember when I was younger I would just be constantly, I know you were the same, constantly stressed about money because you just had none. We're at uni working like double jobs. We um, were studying journalism anyway, so you're just not going to make any money when you finish uni. And I remember constantly just basically not knowing where my next meal was going to come from in terms of just having like $100 to get through the week and feeling so stressed about it. And then thinking that when I get to this age, it'll be amazing because you won't have that money worry anymore. And in the past couple of years, I just, I haven't had that anymore, which has been really fortunate. But then you just don't even, like it doesn't even feel good. 
I just I thought I'd be like so stoked because now I can buy the things I want to buy or go to the places I want to go to. But instead, I'm just like, oh, I can't even be fucked going to that restaurant <laughs> yes. that has just opened because you have to wait in line for like an hour to get a table because they don't take reservations. And I'm too old for that. <laughs> I can't. I need dinner at like 7 p.m. or I'm going to faint. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. It, that's what I mean. It is funny. It's like realizing that all of these things that you were told were going to bring you happiness aren't true. And that the wanting, I think that's the thing about being young is like the wanting the thing is the exciting thing, Mm. you know, being in a perpetual state of, I remember thinking when I was 19 or 18, if I just had a guy that I loved who loved me and we lived in a house together and we woke up together every day, like I just can't imagine the ecstasy I'll be in 24 seven. That's really how I felt. And then you move in with someone and it's just life. And shit happens and you know you you don't feel that thing that you thought you were gonna feel and also with our jobs you just constantly that's the thing with work i all i ever wanted to do was work at a fashion magazine mm. ever and then i worked at fashion magazines and suddenly you just want more 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 like it's never enough i would have never ever thought I'd be going to the Chanel show in Paris with you, like my best friend in the world. And we did that in February and I just have forgotten that even happened. And I'm like, okay, what else? Mm. Or or I just can't be bothered doing it. <laughs> I can't be bothered doing anything. Yeah. I don't know if this is, co- I, I, I really do think, I do think this is COVID related, this conversation we're having. I think that being forced mm, to sl- my... slow down and stop. Like, I know you were having some of these feelings before, but I do think there's something about the fact that everyone's at a halt and that everyone's realizing that a huge amount of what we've been told will make us happy is nonsense and that having less mm. money and not buying nice clothes and not buying um, expensive dinners and not buying all this and tra- not traveling, that it doesn't really actually impact our happiness thing as much as we were told we would that we're all in maybe a bit of an existential crisis about it maybe yeah my thing as well is obviously I think just subconsciously I think I was never worried about turning 30 and then as you start approaching 30 you go from your mid-20s to your late 20s and everything just I think it's such a massive shift in the way you feel, which is just so unfair. Like you just start feeling, I don't know. Yeah. Like you said, like less attractive, which shouldn't be so important. But I mean, in the world where literally looks are all anyone cares about, you feel, I don't know. Like, I don't know. I just feel gross. Yeah. But that's the thing because we've been fed this story you know like beauty fashion everything that we're interested in and like and follow feeds us this story that attractiveness equals happiness and in our culture attractiveness equals youth so it's like everything that we're doing is being told that if we look younger we'll be happier and then now we're losing that and there's nothing we can do about it because we had all the benefits of getting good shit because we looked young for ages 
and now it's going. And it's, it's like so unfair to women. There needs to be an instruction manual on how to deal with this because we're not given any training on how to shift out of a period where our looks are everything. Mm. I know. And then also on top of that, um, just to add to the existential crisis, I think the events of the world feel so much that I just feel I'm starting to feel just quite overwhelmed by it all because I just don't actually see how we're going to make a change. Yeah. And I'm just even thinking so now that like how pathetic that we're sitting saying, I don't know what to do with my life. It's like go out and run a charity or be a politician or be a full-time climate change activist or something. I'm like, there's lots of things you could do if you're blissless that will actually help the planet. But then sometimes that just all... And will make us feel better. Yeah. But then sometimes that all just feels a bit like worthy because we're still like, we're still normal people that are just going through a time. But yeah, I know. I feel, I feel the same. And I even think, um... I even think, honestly, I don't know if we'll keep this in because I haven't fully formed this thought yet. But with all the stuff that I'm reading uh, lately about anti-racism, I think how much we've been fed that whiteness is beautiful. Whiteness is beautiful in a completely overdone way. I feel like a lot of the things about myself that I found attractive or liked that I thought other people found attractive, I've realized is just crap because it's just part of a white supremacist system and that it's not real. Mm. So then all of the, so then I can't even look at myself with any objectivity because I've just been fed lies about yeah, what it's like long is. wavy blonde hair is beautiful. Blue eye, big blue eyes are beautiful. Yeah. yeah, and it's just it's just nothing. It's just literally invented out of thin air. It doesn't mean anything that's not real. And it represses a whole other race. Yeah. It was well, literally other white race. supremacy. It's like this this <laughs> structure. You know, once you start digging further into this structure about all the ways you benefit from it, it just becomes like quite hard to like look mm. at yourself and like what you see. And I think that that's probably part of it too. So <laughs> Yeah, that's a um, crazy addition because that, and that is true. Like since all of this, and since we've been learning so much more about racism, I've been leaning into the fact that I'm part Maori so much more because it makes me feel like I have some fucking substance, mm-hmm. <laughs> like just in t- inside my head, not with other people, yeah. but just I've been like learning so much more about my history and learning so much more about the history of New Zealand and. Um, probably because subconsciously it makes me feel better. Yeah. Well, I was reading this book. Um, I can't remember. I think it's called What Britain Did in India. I'll find the name and put it in the notes. Um, but oh yeah, sorry on your story. Yeah, it's it's really phenomenal, and it just again, it just it's like this feeling that everything you've been taught is a lie <laughs> because. It explains the colonization of India in this way where just like the whole U.S. economy was built on the literal backs of slaves, the whole U.K. economy was built on the backs of colonizing. I mean, 
Australia and New Zealand and other areas, but India specifically, India was worth a quarter of the world's economy when the UK came. And they, when they left 150 years later, it was worth 3%. They basically just wiped out the entire country's economy in order to industrialize England really quickly and make England rich. And once you try to unpack that, it's like, yes, we can tear down statues. Yes, we can rewrite history books. Yes, we need to learn about this stuff. But the house that I'm sitting in now, the, the whole history of my parents' lineage going back, there's like no way to unpack and not benefit from the fact that the Indian, the whole country was basically just looted so England could be rich. And that's why my whole family has had what they've had. You can't even separate it. You can take down a statue, but, like, you can never, ever separate that. That's what you are. That's the basis of who you are. Yeah. And also what we were talking about last night, we were on a freaking WhatsApp call, like, pissing ourselves laughing for an hour and a half. But what we were talking about in one part of it was the royal family. <laughs> and we were just – we were talking about it in the sense of um, – I just said, don't you think – I just could not care less about the royal family now that Megan and Harry have left. I just have switched off. Like, Kate and Will shared a photo of their three kids, and I was like, I just don't care. It's just so like, stale. It's like, and then it's like, they don't. Yeah. It's like every – Six months, they release a portrait taken by the Duchess of Cambridge outside in the garden while, like, like she George smiles. Like, cool. And George wears shorts. I'm like, I just don't fucking care. <laughs> and then we were talking about how with all of these statues being torn down and then the royal family is just sitting there in their big castle. In their being actual like, palace, like 20 about minutes us. down the road from me, <laughs> that is literally built of them pillaging every other country on the planet and that's why it exists <laughs> i'm like this is wild we're boxing up winston churchill who is fucked as well but i just mean you're ignoring a very large elephant in the room there is no reason to have god we're becoming so crazy <laughs> but i'm like there's no reason to have a royal family in 2020 what are you talking about why would that exist i know and like the only reason is because everyone thinks the queen is cute. Mm. And then, because Diana. Yeah. And then her kids. And then now Meghan and Harry have fucking taken off to LA. So we just have William and Kate. And it. I just, I honestly think when the queen dies and Charles comes in, everyone's going to be like, what the fuck is the point in this? Yeah. Especially if Meghan and Harry are gone and William is like, just so boring yeah just the things we haven't researched this thoroughly but i'm assuming that the things (laughs) i know they bring in a lot of tourism to the uk supposedly but i just imagine that why what does that even mean do the people just come to look at at buckingham palace Palace when they're not living in there you know (laughs) like yeah 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 um but i think that if you cut off the benefits of the charities that they work for or whatever versus what could be done with the amount of money that the aristocracy in the UK gets out of taxpayer money, what that could be funneled back into. It just, it doesn't make sense anymore. It's just random. Royalty is such a random hangover to still have in this day and age. I know. Kings and queens that used to behead people. (laughs) Yeah. And used to, (laughs) like, the, the, the situation 
in the 1800s was that some people were just so poor that they had to sell their own actual children to make to buy bread when someone was living in a palace that had actual gold gilded walls and ceilings and that was just seen as fine and we're like yeah that's still okay it is yeah <laughs> yeah i know it's so wild i reckon the whole royal family's just sitting in the palace being like when are they gonna oh no another year <laughs> sweet Sa- yeah same that's what i think as well it's random as mm. i know the only reason i want it to stay is because i want Meg and harry to be around but they're just not even there anymore i honestly look this is a bit conspiratorial, but I feel like there was an element of seeing the writing on the wall. There's going to be a big shake-up of some sort, culturally, after the Queen dies. Oh, yeah. And it's just not really in tune with anything that they're talking about. Anyway. Um, Welcome to the episode. We <laughs> start the podcast now. Welcome to our chats, which usually happen unrecorded, but... You're blessed with this tonight. I wish you guys were on the WhatsApp last night. Oh, oh my God. You would have been in for a treat and a half. So, today, I'm Isabel Truman. <laughs> this is Grace O'Neill. Oh, yeah. we're, t- we're two best friends. We're magazine journalists. We both live in London, but I am in New Zealand right now. I feel like we actually do have to do this every week because we're getting so many um, new listeners every week mm-hmm. now. So... The new ones this week will be like, what the fuck is this podcast that my weird friend recommended? (laughs) I know. Someone actually asked how we met the other day. We met in Sydney at uh, our old... Oh, Grace still works there, but at our old work. And um, we met in the kitchen because Grace's boyfriend had just brought her flowers for her birthday. And I said, you're so lucky. My boyfriend got me body wash from the supermarket and crispy M&Ms for my birthday. (laughs) And I was like on the ground. I was like, who is this amazing yeah. woman that's arrived from New Zealand and changed my life? <laughs> Body wash. Yeah, well we told oh you've told this story. I forget we told this story. I forget the whole of that Christmas episode. We were so pissed. Yeah, we were quite drunk. But yeah, we, we did recount the story of our love on our Christmas episode. A lot. After about two bottles of champagne. But yeah, and may I just add that it was body wash, like the $4. I think it's in the shower here. It gives me... Not the same bottle, the same brand. Obviously not the same (laughs) bottle. (laughs) I kept it for four years because it's $4.50 from like pack and save. (laughs) It was insane. I'm pretty sure it was wrapped. I can't remember. I bet it was wrapped or not. It has to have been. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so welcome to the show. Let's jump into things. I want to talk about Generation Z. I know, obsessed with them. Very impressed with their work this week. On the subject of us feeling like old hags. Yeah, so how many people did Trump think were going to come to that rally? He literally, I I looked at it just before, and it was like, it said something like he thought 100,000 people or something were going to be there, and 6,000 people turned up. Because what you could do is register for tickets online and say that you were attending. So all of these TikTok users and Generation Z spread it all across the internet and told people to register. So all these people registered for tickets and then didn't show up and it was empty. Yes. So, and just quickly on that, on a serious note for a second, um, Tulsa, and you wouldn't know this probably because it's not taught 
because our education system is racist. But Tulsa is the site of, I think, the worst ever massacre of white people against black people in the history of America in terms of a single day massacre. It was in the 1920s and a, a black man who was an elevator operator literally accidentally stood on the foot of a woman, a white woman, so the story goes, and it started this mass town-wide spree of violence where I think over 300 black people were lynched, killed, murdered, beaten by the white inhabitants of the town. So that's what, for me, when I hear Tulsa, that's what I think of. Right, I didn't know that. There is is not a coincidence that Donald Trump picked that as his first place to kick off post-COVID, his 2020 run. He's disgusting. This is what I mean. He's just, they call it dog whistling, like he's giving his fans something and not saying what it is, but everyone knows what it is. But no one came. So, um, I, yeah, I got the, the numbers wrong. So it was a 19,000 capacity and 6,000 people went. Amazing. So, yeah, yeah. so it was, K, it was K-pop stands and Gen Z is on TikTok basically said, flood this thing and RSVP it to say you're going so they think a bunch of people are coming. They will logistically expand what they're doing to cater for all these people who will come so they had all these food trucks and stuff and no one came and (laughs) i was talking to zach about it and i said what's the deal with that do you think donald was actually annoyed and he said that apparently all the reports say that he screamed at his aides the whole hours beforehand and he was seen screaming at them afterwards he was and he cancelled two other appearances Heaven. He only did that one, and he cancelled the other two. And there's a picture so of good. him leaving, and he looks so dishevelled. It's so funny. I'll text it to you. Why does he still, still, still fake tan like that? He needs thing. What are they called? Your drops. These Isle of Paradise tanning he drops. He needs Isle of Paradise tanning drops because he just keeps missing his eye sockets, and it, it just looks absolutely, <laughs> like, insane. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so why do you think Gen Z is so cool? I think it has a lot to do with them being born after the internet was already created. Mm. Because we were born... So the internet came about when I was like 12 or something. In terms of we had dial-up internet and I would sit in the room and wait for it to connect for five minutes and then jump on... What was that thing? I would go on... Um, MSN. Yeah, MSN and um, LimeWire. And I'd download, like, one Pete yes. Murray song, and that would be my whole month's allowance. Yes, LimeWire um, and MSN Messenger. And I would just go straight after school. I'd basically run home from school to get on MSN to talk to the same people that I was with all day. And I think because it was this thing that no one knew what to do with it, and it was also fresh, and we just got so obsessed. I used to send. I had one of those, like, Nokia 2280s or whatever phones that had Snake on them. And I used to send 4,000 text messages a month. Wow. Because we were just so obsessed. And I think that it's fucked all of the millennials because we all are, like, glued to Instagram. Um, And then – but whereas Generation Z grew up with it, so it just wasn't – there was no novelty. My sister just couldn't care less. She's never on her phone. She's 19. She's like, I think I'm too old for TikTok and just doesn't even – engage with anything but i just i don't know I, f- I think that's a lot to do with it and also the information just being so readily at their fingertips in terms of because there's just so that they seem so much more political 
Yes, they're very educated and very mature. I think if Zach's little sister, she's 20, and she's one of the most level-headed, grounded, intelligent, chill, cool humans I've ever met. She makes Mm. me feel... She seems more wise than me, but is like a decade younger than me. I love that they're using TikTok, which me and you attempted for two seconds to understand, um, for these crazy dances and then also to like educate people on abolishing the police. <laughs> yeah, and they're flooding – if you go on Donald Trump's Instagram, um, they're flooding his comments every post that he does to the point that he has to turn the comments off. They're just really clever because they, um, they, they have a sophisticated understanding of social media – and Donald Trump has been so successful because he's one of the first politicians to have a, a semi-sophisticated understanding of social media. So now that they're enraged, mm. they're kind of like beating him at his own game a little bit, which I think is so awesome. I feel really hopeful about Gen Z. They seem to have a lot less of the um, aesthetic obsession that our generation had. And I Yeah, think, that's what I, I mean. I think they've lost, honestly, like I think that the power of magazines diminished so much in one generation between what we grew up on versus what they grew up on that I think that those beauty standards that were just absolutely drilled into our brains from such a young age I'm not saying it hasn't affected them but I think it's I think that they part of growing up on the internet is having access to like a very wide range of content and media, which means seeing different perspectives. And even the movies and everything that's coming out now, yes, some of it is tokenism, but they're so much more inclusive. We watched a movie last night. Um, shit, what was it called? It's just like an, it's just a Netflix one about a girl who's going through a breakup. Oh, Someone Great. Have you seen that? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. It's pretty good. But me and my sister and Molly were watching that last night. And it includes... Three main characters, one's black, one's white, one's Latinx, and all of them have equal parts, all of them chat, one of them's gay, you know, it, you know. and I just think that these are 19-year-olds watching this and it's just normal, whereas for us, that was never normal when we were growing up with rom-coms. We were growing up on, I'm obsessed with Pretty Woman, but we were growing up on the Pretty Woman narrative mm-hmm. and the Notting Hill narrative of two white straight people. And all the characters in the movies are white. And now it's just so much more inclusive in terms of body shape, diversity, sexual orientation, everything. Yeah, and we didn't have, um, I don't know how to say this in a non-rude way, but we didn't really have role models that were smart as women. We didn't have, our role models were people who were beautiful and they weren't people who were well known for writing well or speaking well or thinking well or discovering things or researching things or having opinions. Like it seems like a lot of your social clout online now, there's always going to be girls who are successful because they're good looking. But I mean, there seems like a lot of your clout on social media now for Gen Z is about how um, well-read you are and how educated you are and how across politics you are. And yeah, I just think it's really cool. I know. And that also kind of leads into what we've, also been talking about recently is we are both in love with Michaela Cole who's in who's a British actress she's in Chewing Gum and a new 
series, which I haven't actually watched yet, called I May Destroy You, that is getting so much incredible feedback. Or what, what are that reviews? So many amazing reviews. And we were talking about just off the back of Black Lives Matter and all this anti-racism work we've been doing, how funny it is that all of these incredible shows exist that none of us have ever even bothered to watch or ever even bothered to learn about. Like, you're watching Dear White People and you said it's really good. I'm obviously obsessed with Insecure and completely up to date. And when I started, when I started watching Insecure, I was like, I'm, I said to Grace, I'm so shocked that I know no one who's ever watched this show or ever recommended the show when it is literally like girls, the biggest show in the world mm-hmm. for, for millennial women our age. Yes. And I think when I started watching Chewing Gum, it was, I had the same reaction where my, I was just kind of angry that this wasn't a show that had been shoved down our throats the way that uh, Fleabag or um, Girls or Broad City or insert whatever else one here, Amy Schumer, had been. <clears throat> had been. There's just no way of escaping these cultural shows when they're run by white women. You know? Like, you can say, oh, yeah, I just decided to watch girls because I decided to watch girls. But no, you decided to watch girls because every single person you knew was watching it and talking about it and saying, have you seen it yet? No, I haven't seen it yet. Every single thing you were reading online was telling you you need to see this show, right? I didn't even know Chewing Gum Mm. existed until the last fortnight. And it's been on TV since 2015. And it's exactly the same as Fleabag. Like, not exactly the same, but if you like that, the face to camera the type of humour, the jokes, written and directed and starring the same person who's writing about their own life experiences, insanely clever, looks at religion and sex and culture and whatever. It's just nuts that... Even when we were talking to Kitty Cash and she goes, "Um, if you liked, I don't know, Insecure, you'll love Girlfriends. And so I googled Girlfriends and it came out in 2000 and it's based on three women who are friends literally like sex in the city and it looks so funny and so good and i also heard someone else i can't remember where i heard it but someone else i don't know if it was on a podcast or something but was talking about it as well saying that it was amazing and i was like how the fuck have i never even heard of this existing when sex in the city was like part of our fucking curriculum growing up yeah it is nuts and even dear white people it's not a perfect show, but it's really similar to Sex Education. Again, just that funny, raunchy, clever, quick-witted, educational, everyone's good-looking. Every, just It's literally, you watch it, the style, how it's shot. It's obviously a Netflix show. It's so similar to Sex Education, and no one has seen it. I don't know a single person that's seen it. Well, even Queen and Slim, I'm halfway through it. I haven't finished it yet, but it is insane. So, so good. And the even just the the music in it, perfect. The way they shoot it is so fucking cool. The story is so good. I'm it's such a good movie so far. And I'm like, why Yeah, the director I think directed the formation music video. Amazing. Yeah, it's such it's such a good movie. And I remember when it came when it was coming out in the cinema, I was like, I have to go and see that. And then I think COVID hit and then I just forgot. But I've heard no one talk about it 
people are thinking a lot about things they can actually tangibly do. And something that you can actually tangibly do is like seek out gaps in your pop culture knowledge that you should have seen but haven't. And, you know, I'm not trying to sugarcoat it, but it's like you haven't not seen it because you're a bad person. You haven't seen it because the culture has prevented you from seeing it. But you need to make it your job to like actively seek it out because no one's going to bring it to you. I know. This is the first week I've ever seen Dear White People heroed on Netflix as like a banner show. And it also came out in 2015. You know? I really, on the subject of Dear White People, I really want to see Blackish. I've heard it's so good, but it's just not on Netflix anymore. So I need to find it. It's also just, you know, when these shows like Sex, this is what bothers me is there's this whole cycle. When a show like Sex Education comes out, it becomes massive. The stars get millions of followers. Therefore, the stars become the faces of massive fashion campaigns. Therefore, the stars are in the pages of magazines when you open them or in billboards when you walk down the street or flooding your Instagram explore page. So you think, who's that? I should know who that is. And that's how this cycle fulfills itself. And then they're going to get a lead in a movie because they were the lead person in Riverdale. Mm. And then that just creates this whole ecosystem of fame. And there are people in this show, dear white people, who are really good looking really funny, really talented, who I go on their social media account and they've got like 44,000 followers. And the randomest people from Riverdale have like eh? 6.8 million, you know? (laughs) And Riverdale is the worst show in the history of the world. I know. Why have we, why has everyone seen Riverdale and no one's seen Dear White People? I know. And it's like, it's so stupid as well. They're like, I don't know who the hooded man is that's murdering everyone. (laughs) And people just watch it. (laughs) and it's just so shit (laughs) come on yeah I know black people must just be like are you guys serious yeah literally literally but um yeah I think I think we can put some recommendations in and also just like google around like search for for things that you should have you should have seen but haven't Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to health care, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Mm. Yeah. Um, moving on over the weekend, a fan of Ansel Algort's came out on Twitter accusing the actor of sexually assaulting her when she was 17 and he was 20 in 2014. And she wrote a big Twitter thread. Basically she alleges that, um, she 
was given his private Snapchat account and then they DM'd on that a bunch and then they met up and she says that he sexually assaulted her and it sounds quite violent or rough yeah um and upsetting very upsetting and yeah and um basically he's denied that that ever happened but the girl said in her account that she knows she's not the only girl that this has happened to and since then another girl came out on twitter and alleges a similar well i think she alleges that she didn't meet him but he was sending her similar messages knowing that she was underage Yes, and his apology, so he's, on his post on Instagram, he said that he did have sex with her, but that it was a consensual sexual encounter, um, and then just basically twisted the whole conversation and said, but I didn't act, you know, like a gentleman when we broke up, and I'm really sorry that I ghosted her, essentially, which is really um, frustrating as a way to, like, deflect what everyone's actually talking about no one's mad at you for ghosting someone turning that into a conversation that basically suggests that people make up sexual assault allegations when they get ghosted is just yeah from what seven years ago Yeah. yeah it's a it's a weird way to respond and i think the conversation is obviously about the girl's age more than anything and it got us talking again about just the power dynamics at play in this instance so if if what gabby says happened happened she's a fan of a famous actor and like just to jump in here i think we both believe her yeah which we obviously believe happened you just have to be careful legally speaking about these things um then she was a young fan messaging a famous actor on her 17th birthday asking for a shout out and that actor used the fact that she's a fan of his work used the fact that she's probably young and naive and excited to then send her his private snapchat account and start messaging her gross stuff yes it's just it's it's and, and it reminds me of actually when James Franco did It reminded did that. me a lot of James Franco as well and about how we kind of like culturally let that slide. And then it reminded me a lot of Drake and then it reminded me a lot of Leo. And I think this is such an interesting conversation because it's a, it's a different conversation. Taking aside, so sexual assault obviously is a conversation we've been having socially for ages and it's like outright condemnation. But I think the question of attractive young male celebrities who use their their massive fan base to target fans sexually, fans who are all usually teenagers, who are often teenagers, is like a different conversation that I don't think we've kind of got our head around yet. I know, because the... I don't... It's just, it's such a weird thing because it's like why would you even why would anyone be attracted to a young kid that's just obsessed with the fact that you're famous and obsessed with the character that you are in a movie? It's a weird thing when you think about it to actually even want to pursue it all. Like like we were think, we were talking about how you know it's not like these men um, 
are going for these these really these young but really successful and um and famous in their own right girls they're going for literal fans who are messaging them who who are dming them on their private accounts i don't it just it just feels like the only reason they would want to go near these girls is literally to have that fame and to have that over them and to have that power and balance because otherwise what is the attraction there yeah exactly you're wanting someone to be obsessed with you and enamored by you and to want to do anything you want to do a hundred percent i think what's really interesting with this is that the because generally these conversations tend to take place around this like icky area that's approaching something illegal but isn't quite illegal so people are very quick to brush it off so i think for example with drake drake's track track record includes he raised eyebrows let's say when millie bobby brown revealed that they texted a lot at the time where she was 13 and he was 28 and she kind of said we're just mates he messages me the last message he sent me was i miss you and i said i miss you too and he um and he gives me relationship advice or something. And everyone was like, that's weird. But then everyone, I think, because they love Drake and they love Stranger Things, was wanting to sweep it under the rug as just something that was being misconstrued. Then there was a case where he got a girl up on stage at his concert and was grinding on her and grabbing her chest. He asked her how old she was and she said 17. And he goes, oh man, I can't go to jail. And he was kind of looking at her like, why you gotta look like that when you're so young? And that was filmed and put everywhere. And then Bella Harris was a girl who he conveniently started dating when she turned 18, when he was, I think, 20. There's so many of those that eh? started dating when she turned 18. Yes. And they first were photographed together when she was 15 and he was in his late 20s. I think that. Oh, yeah. And then he started dating Hayley Bieber which I never believed, but I don't know. He was reportedly dating Hayley Bieber when he was 29 and she was 19, but he'd met her when she was 14. And there was another case like that. And the reason that I bring all of that up is that with R. Kelly, this is exactly the information we had for 15 years before this crazy documentary that comes out and we see how bad it was. You know, at his mm. peak when Ignition came out and everyone loved R. Kelly and wanted to bop to R. Kelly and, and didn't want it to be true about him, people ignored all of these stories of him soliciting teenage girls who were fans of his in a creepy way. And it wasn't until it got to... The, I'm not saying that like Drake is going to get to this point. I'm just saying that like we have a historically a problem with not wanting to deal with stuff when we see the creepy initial signs and waiting until it gets to the really, really, really bad stuff until we start taking it seriously. And we just do that. Especially when it's people that we're fans of. Yeah. And especially when it's good-looking young people. So even, I know we always talk about them on the podcast, but even just Leonardo DiCaprio, everyone just laughs about the girls he's dated when it is actually fucking yuck. Like maybe it's not illegal, but it is really really weird really weird to want to go out with girls consistently who are 20 plus years younger than you girls who his current girlfriend camilla marone they've been together for two years she seems amazing 
She seems really smart. She's an incredible actress. They met when she was 11. Her mum is younger than Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah. He could be dating her mum instead of her. He's friends with her um, he, Yeah, stepdad. he was introduced to her as a friend of her stepdad when she was 11 and he was in his 30s. And now they're de- – like, it's just – that's gross. I know you like The Revenant and Wolf of Wall Street and, like, <laughs> have a crush on Leo from Romeo and Juliet. But, like, that is disgusting. And I think that mm. – I wanted to ask you – I guess it is really obvious, but I just wanted to ask you about, like, the, the cognitive dissonance we have with how easy it is to hate Harvey Weinstein and how hard it is to hate young, good-looking men accused of this stuff. Yeah, I think it's just the fact that, well, I mean, even with, like, I know the Johnny Depp and Amber Heard allegations are quite murky, but even with Johnny Depp and Amber Heard, it was literally a woman accusing a man of beating her, and we had her face, and we just discounted it. Even Rihanna and Chris Brown, that's been fully proven, and he's just out making music still, just pretending that never happened. Drake had him on stage in 2017, performing with him, after he's... Yeah, I announcing know. his love for Rihanna all over the place. I know. And Chris Brown has been accused again since then. It is it is just crazy. I was listening to um still processing the New York Times podcast. I re-listened to their episode on Michael Jackson because I thought it was kind of an interesting parallel to this just in terms of like how far people are willing to go to be ignorant to what they don't want to know about celebrities they like. Mm. And it's just, that's just a case where even before leaving Neverland, the scale of evidence that was just so troubling was massive. But when people have an emotional connection to you and your music um, or you and your films or you and your art, like they just cannot wrap their head around the fact that someone can make music that they love and play at their weddings and with their families and whatever and can also be a horrendous human being behind the scenes. It's like people still just can't sit with those two things. I know. And, like, I didn't know that even Paul Walker was dating, what, a teenager when he died. So when they met, she was 16 and his daughter was 15 and he was in his 30s. And then by the time they died, they'd been together for, like, nine years. Oh, really? Yeah. And um, so we made a little list (laughs) of these gross things. So Elvis Presley married Priscilla Presley when she was 14 and he was 21. The Rolling Stones bassist Bill Wyman married Mandy Smith when she was 18 and he was 52. But they met when she was literally 13 years old and he was 47. Uh, Paul Walker. Prince met his wife when she was 16 and he was 31. David Bowie has multiple allegations against him of having sex with 15 and 16-year-old fans. Tiger started dating Kylie Jenner when she was 16 and he was 24. Jack and Phoenix's ex-girlfriend he met when she was 19 and he was 40. Jerry Seinfeld, when he was 38 before he met his wife, was dating a girl called Shoshana Lonstein, who was 17 and who he met at a park when she was in her school uniform. And Beyonce met Jay-Z when she was 18 and he was 30. So there's like a huge cultural thing of men dating teenagers and us just being like grown men dating teenagers and us just being mm. kind of cool with it. I know. And it is just crazy how young you are at that age. Like my sister is 19 and imagining her with a 38 year old. Yeah. When I'm 
29. It would be insane. It would be insane. Even me dating a dating someone 10 years older than me, I'd be like, oh, that's a big gap. He, they've got a lot more life experience than me. What are we going to talk about? Or not what are we going to talk about, but I don't see how these men could have anything in common with a 17-year-old girl who's going to high school. I would struggle to talk to a 17-year-old girl. Yeah. And I'm a 27-year-old girl. Like, if I'm a man, a grown man in my 40s, what are you doing? And why don't we freak out about it in the same way? It's just... I think it's because it's legal. So it's it's but well, it's legal when they come out and say that they started dating when they were 18. It's like Ansel Elgort messaged that girl after, the day after her 16th birthday. And that's the age of consent in thing. Like, it's not okay just because mm. it happened to be the 24 hours where it became legal. That doesn't just suddenly make it morally fine. Yeah. And it's just... I think it's just that crazy power imbalance thing where... They're obviously leveraging the fact that they're famous and the fact that to to seduce young girls. It's fucking yuck. Yeah, it is. It's so gross. And you're, you're, you're just incredibly impressionable at that age. You know? Of course. It's hard for anyone. It's like the, the celebrity and the fame thing is such a weird phenomenon that we are all so caught up in. You get so obsessed with people who are famous or who are known. It's it's just so weird. Yeah. I think as well, like, the thing that always bothers me, I don't know how to frame this properly, but it's like how I always think about the fact how, like, Emma Stone and Jennifer Lawrence are just married to, like, the randomest dudes. Just random dudes. A mm. gallery owner and a, a SNL writer, and then Pete Davidson, who's a random SNL writer, dates Ariana Grande and Kaya Gerber. And it's like, if you're a famous guy, the clout that that gets you sexually, but I, I don't even know, is so different but- to if you're a, if you're a really famous woman. It's not. I don't think it's the clout that it gets you. I think it's the way you use it. Jennifer Lawrence could get anyone she wanted if she wanted to use her fame and her fortune to seduce young men. She could get <laughs> yes, them. It's the yes, fact that guys yes, do it. Yes. It's not difference in clout. It's a difference in, like, morals. <laughs> oh, my God, that's so right. You know what I mean? Gen- Jennifer Lawrence could get anyone in the world she wants to get, and she chooses to date a hot, random, probably really funny, smart, intelligent man her age <laughs> who she can talk to and the men choose to date teenagers who are just in awe like, of them. obsessed with them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I... They don't want to be challenged. I think that's a massive thing as well. So I think I think about um, a guy I was, like, in love with when I was 17 or 18 at a job that I had. And he was probably about seven or eight years older than me. Um and I was just, I just like worshiped the ground he walked on because I was just like, oh my God, like he, I just thought he was just incredible. Um, and I think that part of the reason, like, that we got together but didn't have a relationship was that I think the expectations were that that would, I think that was what was attractive about me was that I was in awe of him, you know? And I think that when, 
switched into something where it was just like a relationship between two people then like the value of me or my attractiveness disappeared because then it was like oh this isn't just a person who's going to worship the ground I walk on this is like a person with ideas and thoughts and feelings and blah blah and who wants to do things and has their own is a three-dimensional person it suddenly became like and I grappled with that for a while afterwards because I was like I don't get why this thing didn't work out and I think that that was part of it because I guess that's just what happens I've had two very different experiences dating men older than me. One, we've briefly talked about on the podcast before, but the older I get, and this is the thing, the older I get, the more fucking weird the whole thing seems. And I think that's why I worry or I feel so much for these young girls. Because when you are 17, 16, 17 or 18, you do think you're growing up. You do think you know what... It's best for you. You do think this person has your best intentions at heart. You are, you feel like an adult. And then you get older and you realize how young you are and how inexperienced you are and how you don't really know what's going on. And like, yeah, when I was 17 years old, um, I was, yeah, spending heaps of time with someone who was 17 years older than me. So what is the math? I literally can't work it out. Like 34? 34, yeah. Yeah. And that's weird. Like I remember I couldn't even get into a bar to um where they were drinking because I was not 18. And and then yeah, as I get older, I just think about the the way the kind of power imbalance was used to make you feel I don't know, I just felt so I I felt so special every time they spent time with me or just I don't know, like even even money, you just don't have any money mm. when you're 17 and someone mm-hmm. who's 34 does have money and so they can buy they would he like buy me dinner and I was like, "Wow, this is so I don't know. It was just it's just weird when you look back." And then the other person I dated was when I was like 20. And your friends just quickly like your friends think it's so cool that an older guy is around. There's that, that yeah. element as well oh, where yeah. you feel like it makes you seem mature and grown up to the people that you're friends with. And they definitely play off that as well where they'll like buy your, all your friends alcohol or like be the one that's driving mm. everyone around. He would like pick me up on a motorbike. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah, and um, then I was actually thinking about this last night. Another guy I dated, I was 22 and he would have been, yeah, about the same age, like 17 years older than me at that point. And that was a very different thing. That was like someone who knew, someone who was very aware of our age differences, someone who really um, checked in all the time, was very thoughtful and kind and caring and was constantly like, I don't know what you're doing with me. You should be, you know, Mm. like very much. It was was just, it's just a difference in the way I was treated, which makes me think that they were two very different scenarios. And the first guy is still dating young girls, girls younger than me now. Mm-hmm. And the second is not at all. Um, and the second cared about my thoughts and opinions, thought I was really smart, was, yeah, was really, it was just very, a very different thing. It goes back to what we were saying in that Florence Pugh episode about how important the age when you meet is. Like, we don't think that there's, we'll say this again, we've said it a million times, but there isn't at its root anything wrong with an age difference it's more about looking at it in terms of how old the two parties were when you met and how emotionally mature like there's actual brain function 
that a teenager hasn't developed yet. We're talking Mm. about actual cognitive thing. You know, if you meet when you're 30 and someone's 45 or you're 25 and someone's 40, like that's not really, I don't think, that's no one's business. I think that the conversation is about when you have like very vulnerable, very excitable teenagers who are fans of your work. Oh, just quickly, I meant to say before, do you remember when we went to the Drake concert and they were just picking girls out and taking them backstage? Was that with you or with Tilly? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. With you. That was with me. Me and Tilly. We I went to two different Drake concerts that happened at both. They had security going around these packs of very young girls and tapping them on the shoulder and pulling them out to take them backstage. Like That happened at the um Flume concert I was at in Auckland. There you go. He asked someone I know to go and find a young girl in the crowd and bring her backstage. There you go. It's I've heard about it at Justin Bieber concerts. I've heard about it like it's I'm sure extremely par for the course, but it's like, um, that is a completely different, when you're being sought out as a young impressionable fan of someone's work and that celebrity that they idolize is seeking you out for sexual gratification. Like that's a completely different fucking ball game to meeting as two consenting adults and happening to be happening to be a different age. And also that's why I brought up the two examples because I was like, I think an age gap can be completely fine. If it's like acknowledged, respected, talked about, um, and I think an age gap can be really, really damaging and worrying and exploitative when not. I couldn't believe the other day when I found out that this person is still dating people younger than me now. Mm. And this is like 10 years later. You know what I mean? That's yuck. Yeah, it is. It's gross. I know. I just want to go protect all these girls. Well, you would never think. Like, even with the James Franco thing, she bloody was a fan of his and put up a video of him when he was walking into a hotel or something. And he DMs her. They, And she was, what, 17? Mm. I just, yeah. And Ansel Elgort has had a girlfriend this whole time. I know. This whole his, time. like, hot ballerina girlfriend. But it's written all over his mm. face that he's a sleazebag. It's so obvious. If it's not this, it's something else. The Snapchat thing? Yeah. Yuck. I really, I really do deleted? think that these guys intentionally create, like, arty, wacky, uh, cultural personas to justify acting in, like, sexually depraved ways you know Mm. i feel like it's like an intentional thing to just make them seem like a bit different and a bit like wacky so people don't hold them accountable yeah and even the leonardo dicaprio thing is just i don't know it's just it's just yucky i just think about i always think about how seth mcfarlane made a really pointed jab at harvey weinstein at the golden globes like 10 years ago or something and then when all the Weinstein stuff came out he was interviewed and he said no that was a very intentional pointed thing I wanted to embarrass him I was disgusted at stories I was hearing and you could say like that's not a very um powerful way to go about it but whatever but um Ricky Gervais made a really similar jab at Leonardo DiCaprio at this year's Golden Globes and when I heard it I was like I just wonder 
if this is going to be a thing. Because, like, everyone needs to keep in mind, and I've said this before, that the thing that every single person that was brought down in Me Too had in common was that they were old. They were past the peak of their careers. I mean, maybe you can name someone, but I can't think. Like, Harvey Weinstein, Louis C.K., Kevin Spacey, um, Matt Lauer, that other gross, weird director. Um, I'm trying to think of who else. Like, the biggest ones were all, like, definitely past the peak of their money-making capabilities. We're not really seeing young, dynamic, at-the-top-of-their-game people being brought into this. R. Kelly, sorry. R. Kelly, Bill Cosby. Yeah, but they're fully, like, the allegations against them are so intense. they were old. Like, R. Kelly's now in his late 50s. There's a reason why people took mm. it seriously now and not when the actual court case was happening and Ignition came out. Because he was hot and young and cool and everyone wanted to dance to his songs. So, I don't know. I just think with Drake and with Leo and with people like this, just because you like them... Don't let that, like, make you be blind to obvious facts when you see them. Yeah, exactly. Because him texting Millie Bobby Brown, it's, it's really, really weird. But then, and then it's, it's hard because you're seeing her as a 13-year-old defending him and saying, stop making my friendship headlines. It's just not a thing. And it's like, you don't think it's a thing because you're 13. Mm-hmm. But fast forward to, your, to you and... I don't know, 15 years time. And you'll probably think, why was someone at the age I am now wanting to text a 13 year old? Yeah. And giving me relationship advice. Like that's very sus to me. If I was a 30 year old man texting a 14 year old girl and I was like, oh, she's a fan of mine. She's really cool. She's in this TV show I like. I would just be going to extreme lengths to make it very, very, very um, above board. Like (laughs) I wouldn't be like, who are you dating? What's happening with that? I miss you. That's really unusual. And he was obviously really embarrassed when it came out. Good. I just, yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, she doesn't even realize, she thinks it's so nothing that she'll just say it on a red carpet, you know? Yeah. And I just think the fact that, I just think that with these huge cases that we find out about, they're known colloquially for a really long time before they become breaking news stories they don't come out of nowhere Mm. a lot of people are across them you know what i mean and i just think that with these things like people just keep waiting for this smoking gun because they don't want to you know cancel someone or whatever too early but it's like sometimes the question is how much more evidence do you need yeah it's so crazy (laughs) Anyway, let's wrap it up. This is a this is a long one, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep, let's. Um, <laughs> please rate, review, and subscribe. Um, follow us on Instagram because we are almost at 10K. And once we get there, we can do the swipe up to the episodes, which will make our life easier, your life easier. Yeah, and leave us another review, please, because we haven't had one in a few days and they're like crack to us. I know. Yeah. 
you can't leave and you can't you can only leave one but you could leave a new one you could update it <laughs> yes or you could create a or new you account. or do one off your boyfriend or girlfriend's phone or mum's phone yeah or like all those gen zers you could just create multiple accounts and flood our yes reviews. they can figure it out yeah okay um and we will see you on saturday with another after work drinks with episode yes bye, bye. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.